Art of Visuals community and welcome to the Art of Visuals podcast, a content series to inspire the creators, the mavericks, the hustlers, and the visionaries who believe that art and creativity have the power to impact and change culture. This series was created for you, the explorers of the world. We're here because you're not alone on this journey to becoming your best self. This series shares real authentic stories direct from the world's most talented creative community. These stories are meant to inspire, motivate, and educate you and the rest of the AOV family. With over a decade of experience in entrepreneurship, content creation, and self-development, the AOV team is here to create a new kind of culture within our community, one that inspires action, love, growth, and fulfillment. You are now tuning in to the AOV Podcast. What's going on, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Art of Visuals podcast. My name is Prince McClinton, and I am your host, and today's guest is commercial adventure photographer and founder of the Wayfair Collective, Christian Hollums. What up, brother? What's up, man? Welcome to the show, my man. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? Dude, excellent. It's good to, uh, it's good to have you on the show. I'm excited to chop it up with you. Uh, why don't you start off by letting the AOV community know a little bit more about yourself? So I'm, I actually live in Alaska, and but I'm from Texas originally. I've kind of moved all over, but got into photography, gosh, kind of, I guess, accidentally. I, I was Art was kind of always my thing. Uh, I like to paint, like to draw. That was like what I like to do um, in high school and a little bit of junior college, and then but yeah, I, I had this trip lined out to go to Yosemite and um, took that trip and needed a camera. So bought a camera and that's kind of, I bought a Canon, I guess Rebel or something like that. XTI, Rebel XDI? <laughs> <laughs> no idea, man. No idea. <laughs> uh, my mom has that camera now. <laughs> yeah, but she got rid of it. Yeah, so bought that, man, and just really kind of just to capture the moments. And uh, that's kind of where photography started with me. But my background, actually, education-wise, is holistic nutrition. So I'm a board-certified holistic practitioner. Uh, went to school for nutrition. Also um, got certified as a personal trainer and a corrective exercise specialist. So uh, prior to all this photography uh, jazz, I had my own organic health food company for a while. Uh, also trained clients coming out of physical therapy. Um, and then was in healthcare, and that's what brought me to Alaska. Actually, I used to was the um, assistant director of the dietary department um, out at the uh, Alaska Regional Hospital here. And the company that I worked for was like, "Hey, uh, do you want to go to Alaska and manage that contract there?" And I was like, <laughs> "And we'll pay for it." And I was like, "Oh, well, yeah." So they shipped me out of Louisiana. I was living in Baton Rouge, Louisiana at the time came up here to Alaska and that's kind of like, I think where I really got to focus more in on photography and then accidentally, I say accidentally, cause it kind of was started Wayfair collective as a way to kind of connect local photographers. We have a lot of photographers here, obviously, um, beautiful place to photograph. And then one thing led to another and here we are today. So I love it. Yeah. bro. I love it. Yeah. That's, that's such a wild transition from, you know, Texas, Louisiana, the South, all the way up to wild Alaska. <laughs> was that was that like a little bit of culture shock at first? Or was it just like, dude, <laughs> you don't even know, man. Like, you know, in the South, we're hospitable, we're nice. You know, top manners. <laughs> yes, sir. No, sir. You know, um, 
but getting here, man, people are just, the Alaska people are beautiful. Um, you know, but at first when you get here, it's a different way of life. Mm-hmm. You know, we're constantly surrounded by different types of threats. So, you know, I've, I, I kid you not, and I'll send you the video of this, of this, uh, after we get off here, but, um, I've had a 500 pound bear, at least he looked like he was 500 pounds. I don't know how big he was. Um, literally come to my doorstep. And <laughs> I've had, I've come out like taking my stepdaughter to school and I'm walking around like this down path in the old house that I used to have. Cause like the entryway was on the second floor and we had this path going down and I, and I looked down on this path and there's like this huge moose standing down there. <laughs> so yeah, like when I first, long story short, like when I first got here, um, people were different. They were just kind of, they were just rough and hard. Uh-huh. Um, they told you what they thought. And they didn't, you know, they didn't really care what you think. They told you how it is, what they thought. And I was like, damn, these people are, they're different. But, you know, I love this place. And so then I kind of, I don't know, I think maybe I kind of came, became one of those people. (laughs) (laughs) I've been here for uh, a little over three years now, Uh going on my fourth year. So, yeah, definitely different. Is it just like, you know, a little more grit and just directiveness? Yeah, it's just, you know, when you when you have moose that walk down the middle of downtown Anchorage and you have bears that kill people five miles outside of the city, it's just a different kind of, you know, I was listening to your podcast with, with Neil today and, like, you were kind of talking about, you guys were talking about getting out there and being out there and hiking and how it kind of brings you back to the rawness. of And so you have, like, those those anxieties about certain things, but they're natural anxieties, I think is how you said yeah, it. Natural fears. Yeah. You have that constantly here because you're, con- I mean, so people have guns here, not because they're violent per se, but because they need to defend themselves. They need to have a way to defend themselves because the threat of a bear or a angry moose, like just charging you is even in town is a possibility. Yeah. It's very so, real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So life, you know, life and death is, is kind of before you. And of course, you know, the crazy climates that we have, I think they've, they've had a lot of mild winters, but my first winter here was pretty brutal. Um, I saw 46 below once that's just, I mean, like an everyday you go to work and you, of course, you know, we don't like during the winter, we're far enough south where we don't have complete darkness. You have to go all the way up to Barrow to kind of have that, where you have uh, no sun at all. But, yeah, it was just really crazy. You go to work, it's dark. Leave work, it's dark. And, you know, like, I just remember we had, like, just, like, two or three weeks of solid, like, negatives, tw- 10 to 20. And, you know, like, your nose hairs, like, start freezing. You know, it's just, it's just like, your skin, there's no moisture. It's, like... I got all this dry skin on my face. Like, it's just flaking off. It's like, how do you do anything about that? Because, you know, it's like yeah. the lotion just sucks it up. It's just wild, man. It's a, it's a beautiful, different, it was definitely way different than living in originally from West Texas where we get up to 115 degrees. So, like, two extremes. I've lived in both sides. Super hot, you know, uh, desert climates and then moving into, like, subarctic <laughs> how's the winter so it's dark half the year what is that like what's that like like your first your first winter what was that like for you like was it shocking I, it it was and you have to like some people get um depression here and you have to get out like and i think the biggest thing too is just knowing how to dress and if you know how to dress like i just 
winter light for photography here, it's we have golden hour all day. So imagine that. <laughs> Five hours of golden hour. You know what I mean? The sun doesn't break. It only breaks at a certain point above the horizon. So um, it's just beautiful for photography. And if you get out, it's fine. But it's it's brutal if you don't. Like, And I'm ready for it to be over. You know what I mean? Like, it's mm -hmm. it's time. Let's... But we don't have, like I said, we don't have complete darkness here. It's we have like I think our shortest day is like five hours and thirty four minutes. Don't quote me on that, but okay, I'm pretty sure that's right. Well, and what times are those normally? Um, so you like a typical day during winter solstice or you know leading up to that point uh -huh. is you know sun's out around like nine forty five or ten and it's down at like two thirty or three. Gotcha. Basically, but it's. It's 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 gradual, right? So it's you, it just kind of goes from like nine to nine fifteen, and, and so it's like oh, it's taking longer and longer. And so now we're getting the sun back, and so the sun's up now until I think right now it's still sunny until like eight something. Gotcha. So in the summer you have completely the reverse. You know, like we did our Alaska photo trip. Man, it was just wild. You you get up there and it's like that's not really like the sun didn't. Okay, we just had blue hour and golden hour and then the sun came back up because we were there just after summer solstice uh, the end of june and the beginning of july so it's okay. wild that's yeah. cool it's also i mean that's a cool time during winter though the nine to you know nine to two is like it's a very comfortable time to get out take your time it's not like it's not like it's from six to ten where you gotta get up first thing in the morning to catch sunrise like you just kind of yeah. it's like a really nice i mean that actually sounds kind of nice to do. Okay. <laughs> Start the morning casually about 9.30, leave the house, Lord. have a few hours of shooting, perfect lighting, come home, dark, no doubt, kick man. it. <laughs> Absolutely. You don't have to get up early for sunrise in, in the winter, and you don't have to stay out late for sunset. So it's you do have to get out late for the northern lights, but, yeah, you're right, man. It's a, It really is a photographer's dream. Like It's one of my favorite times to photograph up here. So – do you want to start with your, should we go into your story first, or do you want to talk a little bit about the collective first? Uh, we could start with the story, because I think that will, yeah, I'll start there. Tied. I think that'll be good. Yeah, okay. for sure. So like some of our other guests, and I actually have a really deep story coming out with the, one of the guys from our community who grew up in Oakland, and uh, it's a very deep, deep story. And uh, with that said, you also have a very deep story as well, and I'm excited to hop mm. into this, so... Let's just get into it, and feel free to start wherever you want to start, man. Yeah, and I'll keep it as short as I can. I'll try to crunch down, you know, 37 years down into not too long. <laughs> <laughs> I, You know, really, honestly, I'll start kind of like childhood and move forward, but childhood was pretty pretty good. Um, you know, I was born, when I was born, my mom did get divorced from a biological dad, and uh they divorced like when I was really early, like young, like probably I think one and a half. And uh, so I was adopted. So had a sister, she's a half sister and he raised me and everything was like pretty good in our life. Like we were, my dad was in construction, you know, blue collar. My mom worked in the oil industry, um, you know, went to private school and just really had a pretty good life. Right. Like really can't complain about much of any of that. Mm -hmm. Um, and then kind of just like, it was kind of weird. I don't know some things happened with my dad and, um, like he just started to not come home for months at a time. And, uh, 
the drinking and the alcohol like really got really bad. And <clears throat> at this point, you know, like I think I had, I didn't really know that my, we had, me and my sister had different dads until I was older because we had the same last name. And, uh, so at this point I'm like, just kind of really struggling through all the stuff that's happening. You know, just this guy who honestly, who even to this day, I still love and respect and taught me everything I know from taught me. He, he's the one who like brought me outdoors, you know, that got me to love outside, taught me how to play basketball, everything. Right. So, all this is going on, and then, you know, my biological dad dies right around this time. It's November 22nd, 1999, just before my senior year of high school, and he uh, died of AIDS, uh, tragically, and I had never met him up to this point, and uh, my mom's like, hey, do you want to go to the funeral? And I knew all of his family. I just didn't know him, and uh, so, yeah, I went to his funeral. Uh, his open casket. That was pretty rough. There was just a lot of stuff going on. I mean, just a lot of trauma. Just at a very, very, very short period. Sorry, my computer keeps going off here. Just a very short, like, just kind of compressed timeline in my life where it was just like, holy shit, like, this perfect life you thought was there is not. Like, people got problems. And I didn't really have any tools to know how to navigate through, I think, that complexity of life. Right. And... And I think some some of that your parents can't teach you. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so I, I don't blame them. I have an amazing mom. She is like she is the backbone of everything that I am. And like, I couldn't say enough good stuff about her. But so yeah, like that happened, and it, and it's kind of weird because the the wheels didn't really fall off then. But uh, later on in life, it was like I think I was uh, 23. I don't know. And started abusing with my my adopted dad, the one that my mom, because they got divorced like just months after my biological dad died. And hopefully, this biological adopted dad stuff isn't too confusing to go back and forth between. But yeah, so I see my adopted dad hanging out with him, like really wanting that relationship to be back in place. And uh, yeah, he introduced me to cocaine. It's kind of weird. It's like I never. I had friends who did all that stuff, but I was an athlete, man. I was like, screw that. Like, I'll just hang with the girls. Like, the girls, are, I'm cool with that. Like, mm-hmm. that's good, but I'm, I'm going to work on this basketball thing. You know, I'm going to live in the gym, and that's what I'm going to do. And uh, so, yeah, he introduced me to that, man, unfortunately. That's the, that's the truth. And so he's, man, it got to hold me, like, so, so hard, man. Within two months, I had lost 60 pounds. I'd overdosed twice. And, like, it was just, like, holy shit. Like, I mean, you see me now, I'm, like, 220. I was 163 pounds, man. 6'4", 163 pounds. I was a stick. And, you know, so, like, everybody's seen this happen. So this was a long time ago. That was, like, 14 years ago. Mm -hmm. And, uh, man, it was just a battle. Like, I knew I needed help then. But I didn't really know how messed up I was. Like, I didn't really know how broken I was from everything that had happened. And, uh, yeah, so just rehab after rehab, man. I just really, like, I'd get I'd get six months, and then I'd, I'd, I'd go back. And I went to eight rehabs, eight. And uh, the, the, last, the last time, like, kind of what I think what was kind of like my bottom, if you will, was I had committed a crime and uh, against my, I forged a check with my sponsor, the guy who was like trying to help me. Um, that's how bad it was. 
so the bank press charges and I was looking at two years state jail time and uh I was kind of like holy shit like I gotta I gotta figure this out like I can't mm-hmm. like I can't keep thinking I got this fixed you know what I mean and so that was kind of a wake-up moment for me and um I I did this uh it's like a year-long program, right? It was a faith-based program, nonprofit program. And, uh, yeah, that's what I did. And, and, man, it took that, like, just that deep, hard work and just really the support of people. Like, that's so crucial, just the support of the community that I was a part of. You know what I mean? Because if I hadn't had that support, I couldn't have done it on my own. Um, because all the other immediate support, like I'd burned all those bridges. They were done with me. They didn't trust me, you know, and it, and they shouldn't have like, right, right. you know what I mean? Like them walking away was also good too. Like there's that, you know, enabling that's not a good thing as well. Mm-hmm. So that was back in, I entered in that program and ironically in November 17th, like uh, right before my dad's, like, you know, he died on the 22nd. And I went in on the 17th of November, you know, years later. And so, cause I knew at that point, like that, that time of the year was always hard for me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I went in, I stuck with it. I did my, I ended up getting probation. They deferred everything. So I, I don't have a felony or anything on my record or anything like else like that. I'm um, actually seven years after the fact, I got that taken off my record because of the changes I had made. And uh, did some speaking for the judge actually on this on this stuff, but yeah, that's kind of where like November seventeenth, two thousand eighteen. That's where it was like, okay, it's it. I'm done. Like whatever I got to do to get my to to fix whatever's going on inside. So yeah, man, that's that's like that's probably like my biggest story. And I think in that, like, I really learned a lot about, about myself. I learned a lot about my ego. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I still learn a lot about that every day. You know, what I mean? right. but. but yeah, that kind of led to just my understanding of like the value of relationship and the value of community in a person's life. And it's tough because like you talk about these kinds of addictions and they're so in your face because the consequences are like, oh shit, like he almost went to prison and like he stole stole his mom's shotgun and sold it to, you know, like all these different like crazy in your face consequences. But, you know, the reality is I think is like those things are are around us in, in a lot of different forms, you know? And so I think sometimes like if somebody's hearing the story, it's like, you know, you don't have to be someone who's an addict to need or understand the value of community um, and having people in your life that can help you through those things, you know, whether it's mental health or, you know, whatever it may have, whatever it may be, drugs, whatever it may be. Yeah. So that's just, I think for me, that's, I guess I could segue into uh, Wayfair Collective. Well, I'm curious real quick, you know, yeah. what, what are some of the values or learnings that you found through community? <sighs> oh, that's good. Um, well, you know, have you ever heard, heard of Dr. Brene Brown? Mm-mm. She's out of Texas. She's a, a psych, psychologist, I think. Uh, she writes some really good stuff. Anyway, she talks about the arena and she talks about how you have like spectators and people who are like in the arena with you. And those are the people that are like, they're like getting dirty. You know what I mean? They're the ones like bleeding next to you. I think I say all that to say community. I've found that like one of the, like those people who are in the arena with you, not those people who are like, you don't really know. They're just kind of like around and watching you. 
the people in the arena with you or the people that are in com close community with you, intimate community with you, really reveal they're, they're the best people to have in your life because, you know, self-awareness is one of those things that is something that's not done independently. You know what I mean? Like, at least for me. And I don't know really anyone that has become self-aware independently by themselves in the closet. You know what I mean? So having people in a community that, you know, whatever your shared value is that brings you into that space, um, those people really help me understand myself, you know, understand my weaknesses, understand the things that I needed to go through, and then supporting me, like to saying, hey, like this is a place of love. This is not a place of judgment. So when I bring criticism to you, it's because I'm your friend and I'm trying to help you grow. And it was not a one-way street, right? It was like that door was open on both sides. You know what I mean? Because we trusted one another and we trusted the the care and the love that we had for each other. But the only way that we could find that and, and know that and trust that was through that deep, intimate experience of yeah. like just rubbing arms with one another on a regular basis in person. Yep. You know what I mean? Letting the guards down, letting that, the masculinity, the ego, all the guards got to drop. Yeah. Right? Yeah, man. Yeah, absolutely. I. I ain't scared to cry, bro. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> <laughs> me neither, man. Nothing wrong with being yeah. human. <laughs> no, absolutely not. So I agree with that. Yeah, vulnerability is was, you know, you nailed that on the head that you killed that right there. That's vulnerability is so crucial. And there's a time and space for that, you know. Mm -hmm. And I think the time and space, at least in my experience, is in that close quarters, in those people who are like, they're just really there for you, man, and spend time with you. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So, so you went through this this years of just up and down and, and, and this more or less just going in and out of balance. And mm -hmm. then you finally, you know, arrive into the gates of just you're good, healthy, strong, good mindset. Life's coming together. What was next? Mm. You birthed this this idea of creating your own tribe and community and, you know, how did the Wayfair Collective come about? What's the story? You know, how does the story continue? Like I said, man, I think really unintentionally just trying to figure out, like, how could, I don't know, when I started as a photographer, I'm going to reveal my age here. Like, I, we didn't have Instagram. Uh, I think we had Facebook. Yeah, we had Facebook. But it just wasn't the same, I guess, at that point. And I didn't really have an outlet to, like, or a mentor that I could kind of connect with and learn with and grow with and develop a relationship with. So everything I learned was, was on my own. You know what I mean? It was like, mm -hmm. let me sit down in front of this tutorial, let me buy this tutorial and then like learn the techniques and then go out there and try to practice it. So I think initially kind of what the, the, the small idea uh, was just like on a very simplistic practical level, like how can we get, how can we, can we have a place for photographers in the local Alaska community to get together, hang out, share their work from start to beginning and share what they know in an open, comfortable space, safe space, right? Mm -hmm. To where like, it's not like no judgment, like judgment-free situation and not in the sense like we don't critique one another's work, but just like we're all in the same boat, you know what I mean? Whether you just started this shit yesterday or you've been doing it for 20 years, right? So um, we just go through the whole process, and that's kind of we we have a, a friend of mine has a studio here, and so like he opened up his doors uh, free of charge, and we did like a first Friday show for people to showcase their work, and uh, yeah, so that's kind of like where it started, but that was 
uh, in 2017, October 2017. Yeah, so just uh, one thing has led to another, and there's been a lot of changes since then. There's been um, it moved from just like a local thing to more of a national thing because we introduced, like we felt like that made sense on a national level, and then kind of the photo trips. We've transitioned there as well. Like there's been a lot of change. So yeah, dude, no, that's beautiful, man. So. I guess tell us a little bit more about the, I guess the core of the Wayfair, you know, the Wayfair Collective. Like, why does, why does it exist? Like, what's your, I guess, what's the big vision with it? It's tough, you know. It's tough to take these these deep, like this kind of conversation. You're talking about community, and mm-hmm. I mean, community is is really the vision, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. But community that exists beyond in deeper ways, you know, just deep, meaningful ways where like, that's really the emphasis of everything that we're doing. I mean, even the, we do have products that we sell, but even those things are really focused on the collective knowledge of the community um, and trying to create that community environment and create environments to where intimacy can happen. Um, so like having a trip, that's not like you go stay at your own hotel room and I'm going to stay at my own hotel room and we'll, we'll get back later, you know? And so like we stay in a home because community is the point. So that puts us in an environment where we could maybe connect in a way that we maybe wouldn't, like we don't tell people you got to connect, but like, we just give them that opportunity. So community is in, in general sense is like really what we're after, but that's an ongoing conversation and how that takes place. Right. You know, so it's. We have different things that we try to facilitate, um, whether it's a photo trip or like a mentor meet. Those are ways in which like Wayfair is kind of like actively saying, here's some structure, here's a place where you can go. But then the leaders that we have on the on a local level kind of take that, take that. We kind of give them each community has its own identity. You know, all, uh, Seattle's going to be different than Alaska. Alaska's different than Texas. So. Yeah, I think hopefully that answers your question. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I love it, man, that, you know, each community is different. Um, they have their different identities, but at the same time, you know, at at its core, just like any other community, it's all about photography and bringing people together. Like, you all have this, right. same, even though you guys may have different values and, you know, based on where you live and where you're from and all those things, at its core, it's it's the photography and adventure and, and the love right. of that that brings you together, which is always just amazing and and why i think community is so important and why i feel like everyone in this world would be much happier if they if they all found their tribe or community you know absolutely because it's out there every i mean there's a tribe there's a community for for everything you know you just got to go and sometimes you just got to go on a little expedition and and go and find your people yeah yeah you got to be willing to get a little uncomfortable to do that stuff Mm -hmm. for sure (laughs) <laughs> no, absolutely. Getting out of the comfort zone, I think, is important. Speaking of getting out of the comfort zone, I'm curious, like, how has how have you grown as an individual by getting out of your comfort zone? How has that helped you excel in life? Oh, man, that's a big question, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you, you didn't you didn't preload me for that big question, man. I didn't get a, I didn't get the handout. I didn't get the memo, bro. What's up? <laughs> Getting out of my comfort zone. Every time I've got got out of my comfort zone, I've been able to elevate. I've been able to, whether it's increasing my love for life, whether it's meeting new people, whether that's finding a new hobby, whether that's creating more wealth, you know, on various levels, not just talking about, 
money, but there's, I've, I've never had a bad thing come from getting outside of my comfort zone. I've never got went out of my comfort zone. I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like I've never been defeated. I've only grown. So I'm curious, someone like you, you've, you've gone through so many different types of adversity and to grow, you have to get out of your comfort zone. So I'm just curious, like overall throughout your life, how, and how important has getting out of your comfort zone been to your success to get to where you're at today? Oh, I think it's pretty much, I mean, they, uh, what do they say? They say you learn way more from failure than you do success. Yeah. I think it's a necessity for us to grow. You know what I mean? It's like diamonds are formed under pressure, right? I'm definitely not a diamond, so don't go there, but, um, (laughs) yeah. I I think you're a Ruby bro. Oh, I appreciate that. Appreciate that. You're wearing red though. (laughs) You're the one wearing, (laughs) um, yeah. So it's just, it's absolutely crucial. Like, I mean, I can think of so many different analogies, whether it's, you know, exercise, like there's pain, discomfort, you know? And I think there's that, I think there's that healthy, even with the discomfort though, there's that healthy aspect of the pain. Like as a trainer, you never push somebody to the point of injury. It's just enough pressure to stretch the person so that they can grow, change and adapt. Um, and I think for me, it's been, you know, growth is a funny thing. I think it's been more, I don't, growth may be a good word, but also I think another good word would just be like awareness, a greater awareness of who I am at my core. Mm-hmm. And so these adversities reveal like the persistence in some ways, you know what I mean? Like that I'm a persistent person that when things and like, you don't know that about yourself, but the, all this adversity kind of comes along and then you like, you, we just you shit, you give up. Like, I mean, for me, like cocaine was like my give up, like my, I don't care. Like, you know, I'm going to die. I don't care. Whatever it is, what it is. You know what I mean? It's like, I guess it's like, I not, it's not me being, it's me being suicidal, but in a different weird way, you know what I mean? Right. And, but also there's another part of yourself that like, cause that's not really me. You know what I'm saying? And so I think that adversity revealed who I truly am. So I don't know if it's like me growing or it's just me realizing who I actually am at the core. And so, but without that adversity, I don't know. I can't, I can't speak to a future. I don't know, or a history I never had, but that all revealed to me. And I don't know if anything else would have revealed to me the way that that did. You know what I mean? Like, being completely alone, being all those different things. So yeah, like, and that's the thing about relationships too. It's, is it in our culture, like today we're, everything is at our fingertips for our comfort, you know, and autonomy is like this elusive thing that hangs over our head that we think that technology gives us or whatever, or at least I think, I don't speak for everybody else, but, you know, but it's that comfort that keeps me stagnant. Mm -hmm. And if I press forward and that's just for relationship and community, this is like something that is like an ongoing conversation with, with our leaders. Cause they're the ones building the community, man. Like it's not, it's not, I'm not going to take credit. Like it's them, right. you know, they're the ones that are getting out there doing the thing. And it's like, so conflict and adversity comes and it's like, you know, but every good story has conflict. Every good story has adversity. And it's like, trying to re rewire your mind to, to realize that like to don't run from that shit, don't run from it, like embrace it right. because it's about to show you who you are right. in a deeper way. That's going to transform the way you look at life. 
Right. And it's going to give you such a great value. And that's why community is so important. It's like that it's one of the best, greatest human values that we could experience because it shows us who we are. It shows us who others are and it allows us to be human. And there's nothing like, like you said, you said wealth, like you said, but I'm not talking necessarily about money. Like that's, that's the best asset you could ever have. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Cause at the end of the day, like all the stuff we got, like all I got when I'm on my deathbed is like the people that were in the arena with me, you know, but, bleeding and sweating and you know that's it that's what you got so, yeah no absolutely yeah. i mean i think the goal you know is to live a very like to be very rich in life and on yep. every level of love relationships and experiences and taste and music and everything like that's the beauty of being human we actually get to really consciously enjoy our lives <laughs> you know yeah yeah. Uh, and that's a that's a big thing. And I love what you talked about, you know, with with growth over, you know, being different than awareness, because they are very different, you know, um, similar, but very different at the same time to where growing, maybe, you know, learning new things and becoming a better person, being aware, maybe, hey, you know, maybe you're just a, a poor writer. And now that you're aware of that, you'll stop blogging <laughs> and you'll but, you know, you're an amazing speaker. <laughs> And yeah. you start a podcast or something, right? That sounds that sounds like me, man. And then it uh, sounds like someone <laughs> I know as well. Uh, yeah. And then, but the nice thing about being aware of weaknesses, not I, there's nothing wrong with weaknesses. I don't think you're supposed to be perfect at everything. There's certain weaknesses that I have that I'm very aware of, and I, and I and I love the fact that I'm aware of because I just find someone that's strong in that area, and they fill the hole. I realize, like, dude, that's just not even. I shouldn't even be allocating time to try to grow that because it, there's that's just not my strength. That's not my superpower. Like these are my superpowers. I'm going to continue mm -hmm. to push my superpowers forward and then I'll plug in, you know, you plug in people around you that can fill the the missteps in the ladder, you know. And so, Absolutely. It's like it's like a short person wishing they were tall all the time. You know right. what I mean? It's, it's like, like you get a tall buddy. <laughs> like, <laughs> yo, like use that short stuff to your advantage and get you a tall buddy already. Exactly. Yeah. And now it's like you got all the, you know, you got everything covered on that on that spectrum. Um, I'd like to talk about self development and just mindset and things with you, just because you've you've already lived such an interesting life. You have lots of experience, and you know, I'm I'm curious, like for starts, like how do you overcome fear? Or how do you even, you know, I don't know if it's, if that's the best way to, to phrase the question, maybe it's like, how do you deal with fear? Um, there's a, an old proverb that says, there's no fear in love and perfect love casts at all fear. Um, I think that, I think that the, that is really how fear is overcome, at least in my life. And love is, is not some, at least for me, you know, the Greeks had a, a really good understanding of love. They had a lot of different words for it. And I'm not going to go there, but. For me, love looks different in a lot of different scenarios. But yeah, I think love, and for me, like love is kind of like that self-outpouring where you're giving yourself to someone else. You're taking a risk. And that can be a very scary thing, ironically. Like mm -hmm. it's almost kind of like, it's definitely a paradox. It's a seeming contradiction, but it's really not. So it's like, <clears throat> I think that's how, you know what I mean? It's, you know, running Wayfair is is scary, man. It's like, it doesn't mean that I don't have to deal with fear. It's just how I, it's, it's how I deal with it. Cause I'm going to have that emotion regardless. You know what I mean? Like I feel that all the time. Like 
I'm, you know, to, uh, risking everything to start this thing, you know, and it's like, and that's a very scary thing to do. Like, you know, you and I talked a little bit about that just don't even on your side. Like, it's a very, it's terrifying, you know what I mean? But I really believe that human beings need one another. And so I just, I don't know, like, this thing's more of like just an acceptance that the risk is always there, you know, like, and that any relationship that I'm ever in or anything I ever do, there's going to be some level of risk. I never have autonomy over really anything. And so the best way for me to be whole is to give myself. And it's a scary thing to do because self-preservation is more natural to us, I think. Mm -hmm. But in that self-emptying, like I find what it actually means to be human. And then the fear is gone. Because then I realize there's nothing like, it's like, I think that's too, it's, all the things that have happened, it's like when you've like been sitting outside of a trash can thinking like this is I might have to dig in that shit to get something to eat mm -hmm. or whatever. And you've been to that place. It's like there's not a lot that scares you anymore. Right. You know what I mean? And I think but now it's more like not the external things like getting eaten by a bear or whatever. It's more myself that I get scared of. Right. Or whether it's the fear of, of like being abandoned or the fear of failure or you know, just like even on Instagram, right? It's like, shit, like, are people going to like my work? Like, right. people going to appreciate what I do? Yeah, that's uh, your long answer. <laughs> Dude, I, I love that. You said something in there that that made me think of, you know, along with fear and, and, and risk, you were talking about risk. And I don't, through my personal experiences, I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily, I can't say I believe in risk as much anymore as, as, in my circumstances, I guess I've, I've found out that it's more about managing reactions to things. You know, in the past, something bad would happen and I would, like, you know, many people, I would react right away without, and, right. and, and I go into a whole, like, I increase, it's like the fast reactions oftentimes just pour gasoline on the fire. It's where nowadays, you know, in the past, if something bad happened in business or relationship, it's like, ah, all, you know, all hell would break loose in my mind, outwardly, everywhere. Nowadays, I just kick back. I think things through. I try to understand it from a deeper level. And I like bad things happen all the time. Good things happen all the time. The only thing that changes is your the way you react to the world around you. Right. You know, and when you can start to get more control over that mindset and manage those reactions to things, you can have a lot. Life's easier. It's not as dramatic of a roller coaster ride as, I mean, some of us, you know, I've, at times I've made my life such a dramatic roller coaster and it's daunting and it's exhausting and it sucks your energy and the life out of you if you let it. Um, right. But when you manage those things, you know, it feels good to, to be comfortable and to just to know that. If you choose to be, you know, there is somewhat of, there's a certain amount of control that you always do have outside of this, the circumstance, you know, which is right. the reaction to the circumstance. Right. And so. I completely agree with that 100%. Absolutely. Routines. Are you a routine guy? You got any? Oh, man. I'm, can I be both? routine and non-routine yeah absolutely <laughs> i'm like an introverted extrovert it's weird um talk to me yeah. about that first hold on 
time. Introverted, extrovert. <laughs> yeah, I feel the same way. I'm just curious. I, I want to hear your side of that. Yeah, no, I think certain things I'm very extroverted about if it's something I'm very passionate about. But I think, like, if I get – so, like, Wayfair, I'm pretty extroverted about it. Like, it'll take me to, like, talk to people I don't know. You know what I mean? Whereas, you know, if it's – let's say I'm going to, like, a friend's work party, then I'm kind of, like, sit over there in the corner and don't see shit to no one. Like, <laughs> don't talk to me. I don't know you. Okay. No, like <laughs> I don't, this is, I'm, this feels awkward. Like, and I'm like, God, do I look awkward? Like I got to look awkward. Um, so yeah, it's kind of like that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I'm the same way. It makes perfect sense. I'm everyone thinks I'm extremely extrovert. Cause like I have a podcast and I do things and I'm, I, I don't mind being on the screen or whatever it may be, or talking to people about things that I'm into, you know, and AOV and the community and, and all, you know, all that good stuff. But like yourself, I show up at a, you know, someone's work party or whatever it may be. And I'm very much so like the awkward guy that's just kind of a little uncomfortable. And especially like when people like over, over introduce you, like, Oh, it's my buddy Prince. I've been telling you about, and he does. All, and I'm just like, Oh, and I, I totally, I literally like a turtle in a shell. And yeah. I'm just like, boop, and I just want to hide. And, People will ask, like, oh, what do you do? And they want to know all these questions. And I, like, I'll just tell them I'm a photographer. I dumb it down so I'm just, like, I just take photos. And I don't, like, really want to talk. I feel awkward. I'm just, like, dude, this, yeah. like, I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to be out here. Like, it makes me feel uncomfortable, like, as if I don't want to be, right. I don't know, more or less, I'm just a weird introvert that can turn it on in certain scenarios. But most of the time, I'm like yourself. I'm just, like, uh, you know. Yeah. But if it's my people, I'll walk into the party and be like, what up, everyone? Like, yeah, like, I'm like, I'm stoked <laughs> to see you all. Like, I'm just like, ah, right. like, these are my people. Like, I love you guys. Like, right. You know? Yeah. And so, uh, yeah. routines. Oh, man. Our routines kind of come and go. I think typical routine for me is get up pretty early. And I, honestly, I try to have, like, kind of cons some consistency, if I can, with just like education first. So I'll spend an hour in the day just like watching something on photography, whether it's like business stuff or like editing techniques. Tell me or... something you've recently learned. I was watching uh, this tutorial by Pro Art, Pro EDU, uh, they're one of our partners, and they had this commercial business thing. And I, well, I learned that some people charge a whole lot of money for that stuff, <laughs> a lot more than me. But they had this like really cool uh, bid bid site. I, I don't remember the name of it, and I turned my computer off so I can't look. But um, yeah, so it just kind of went through the entire like process of like what to ask your clients and like, what questions to ask and how to bid a job or how to estimate a commercial job. So because I find that that's kind of like where I weddings will never I'll never do weddings. It's just not going to happen. Uh, portraitures aren't really my thing either. Um, occasionally that's fine. I mean, it's weird cause like portraiture gets into commercial work depending on what you're doing. So like in commercial space, you kind of have to have that flexibility to shoot in a lot of different genres. Right. Um, but I find that like commercial photography is kind of where I feel most comfortable. Mm -hmm. What about behind shoot? the, I figured you'd be more of a in front of the camera type guy. What do you mean? More, <laughs> I, I, I see you more of a, as a model than a portrait photographer. Uh. No, dude. I've, uh, dude hell no. I've, I've, I've seen some of the photos on your profile, dude. You totally could, you totally could model. 
I kind of chuckle. I kind of chuckle every time because I'm like, he's funny. He's not what you would expect as a model. I'm like, but he's kind of model esque. Like, throw him in a flannel and put an axe in his hand and put him out in the the nice. Are you really saying this right now, dude? Dude, if I was there, I would give you a friend tackle right now, like straight friend tackle. Yeah, no, I actually did that for, I did that for a brief while, but we're not going to talk about that. You know, that's, um, no, no, mm-hmm. no. <laughs> Next subject. Yeah. So I'm curious, what's next for you, man? Like, what are you most excited about right now? So right now I'm actually, it's weird how little things kind of happen. We just keep coming back. You know, I had said something about earlier about like just the transition. Um, we've had the privilege of working with like some really talented photographers, some guys that have actually been on your show. And, you know, so we did kind of the workshop thing at first and, and truthfully, like even now the experience with commercial work, I'm kind of seeing like why that didn't work out for them and also seeing why that didn't work out for us. And so, uh, when we moved into like, the photo trip stuff like that was really positive because the way we structured is very transparent. You know, we just do like basically our cost plus a, a small gratuity, 25% gratuity on everything. But, um, what all that being said, like the trips, the everything just kind of comes back to centering around this philanthropic endeavor to build a community. And that's, that requires a lot of volunteering of time. It's not, it's not about, you know, necessarily about building a business per se, and that's just kind of keep that keeps coming up, up over and over and over again. And it's something that we've been talking about. Um, you know, we have like monthly calls um, that we just started this year. I don't know why it took us a year to start them, but hey, it's another question, another story. But yeah, that just kind of keeps coming up. And so, like we, you and I had this conversation, and and I don't share my story about drug addiction very much anymore. Um, it's not something I think a lot about a lot anymore. Like I talk of, as a recovered addict. I mean, I still, I drink alcohol. I don't have never had any issues with alcoholism, but like, it's not something that I necessarily think about, but you know, when I was doing that program, I was, I did a staff internship for the treatment center mm-hmm. and I used to do drug and alcohol counseling before I got into fitness and I did it for like a faith-based organization and they just didn't have the resources and to pay me, and I volunteered my time at a treatment center in Wimberley, Texas, called The Right Step. And, like, the conversation I had with you and then, like, kind of, like, the about video that we did, like, just kind of realizing how much impact that had on my life, but that I haven't really talked about it a lot in the past, like, three or four years. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't go up to people and say, hey, I'm Christian, I'm a recovered addict. Like, that's, my identity is not in that, you know. It's something deeper and different. But what's starting, you know, I guess I'll go ahead and make this public, but I'm going to be meeting with some attorney friends of mine the next week. And we're going to like look into right now we're a sole proprietorship. So, um, I'm going to talk to them about incorporating as an, as a nonprofit. And I don't know if you've ever heard of therapeutic photography or phototherapy. You ever heard of that? Well, tad bit. Yes. So I'm kind of thinking like, where my head's at right now. And like, I don't know what's going to happen, but some way in which we can take photography and there's, it's already happening. Like there's the one project and they focus more on people with mental health. There's this Jody Weiss, who's written exhaustively on the subject. She's a psychiatrist and she does phototherapy, but like, how can we take photography 
and take it in a therapeutic way to help people struggling with addiction. And that addiction could be, it doesn't have to be drug and alcohol related. It could be social technological. Yes, yeah, social, yeah. I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> I'll you say said it. it. <laughs> you said it. Yeah, like that's a huge problem for photographers, I think. And it's, and I'm just going to, I'm not going to, you know, I'll just speak to me. Like, one at a girl Wayfair, and it's like, shit, the next thing you know, you're like, you're doing pods, you're doing these things, and like, you're spending, I'm spending three or four hours on Instagram, like, all to try to build a community, and then doing it on my own, it's like, and I didn't even have social media before Wayfair Collective, you know what I mean? So, I think, and the more that, you know, like, Tristan Harris, and, you know, Matt Callenport, and a lot of these name guys, I'm name dropping here, but they're doing extensive stuff when bringing awareness to like what's happening and the way these platforms are designed today. So it's, yeah, I think there's a need for that kind of approach. And, and I know that there are different organizations doing it and focusing on different, uh, different groups. I don't, so that's kind of like what's going on in my brain right now right. with Wayfair Collective. I don't know what that looks like from a legal standpoint. So I have to work that out, but I think that's the next thing for Wayfair, and I don't know if that what that means for us. I don't know how that impacts a lot of the other things we're doing, or if it impacts it at all. My hope is that it wouldn't. But yeah, that's kind of like what it's weird because the conversation with you kind of like, and then you, yeah, it's just a conversation we have prior to this. Just really, yeah, those things had already been going on in my mind, and so it's like, man, like how do we really fortify that? Like, we're not just out there trying to get together and do mentor meets so you can get shots for the gram. Like, right. we want people to connect in a real way. We all got problems. Like, I can't tell you how many people reached out to me after they heard the story on the About video, and they're like, dude, like, I struggle with that. Like, or dude, I'm, like, depressed or I'm suicidal. Right. And it's like, those are things, like, a safe space for people to talk about that are in photography and, you know, um, how that all works out. Like, that's just, it's just beginning in my mind um and it'll be it'll require a lot more effort and energy from than just me but like you know counselors psychiatrists all these different things would be involved if we go that direction right. um but that's kind of what i've been thinking about man honestly bro that's beautiful i uh i love hearing that man because i think it's it's such an important thing and i think like you said like from your standpoint and from my i've been do, i've been doing this for a long time and I know lots of people that have gone through addiction and within, you know, the community. And I think it's really cool to go so much deeper and to very speak to there's a lot of people struggling with addiction. And I think it's cool to take the community and more of a therapeutic route. I know I'm taking AOV much more in a self-development for photographers kind of route, mm -hmm. because like you, I've, I've been a creative my whole life and I've been my biggest enemy my entire life. I've dealt with tons of anxiety, depression. It's all these different things at various times in my life. And I've realized for oftentimes for creatives, the biggest thing for them is self-development and mindset. It's not that they're not creative enough or talented enough. It's that they can't get out of their own way. Yeah. Usually, the, honestly, the majority of the time, they're the most creative oh, yeah. people that are out there. Are have the most head toxicity and yeah. head pollution. We'll just call it that for short. Yeah. 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 And it's a real, it's a real thing. And and so 
I've been, you know, that's why I started this whole podcast. I've been so fired up about helping people grow and telling, I wanted to help tell other people's stories so that people can relate and, and understand you're not the only one out there going through what you're going through. And outside of that, adding my own, you know, life experiences mixed with other people's life experiences mixed with ideas and things that they can actually put into practice in real life and give it a go and see if it works for them. Like, obviously we're all different. And so no one has the answer to everything because we're all wired differently, but we can at least start the conversation and get ideas out there and, and start pointing you in directions and giving you things to try to, to help you get over whatever you may be going through in life, you know? And, uh, with that said, that's good. <laughs> with that said, I'd love to end the podcast with you sharing some, some positive, inspiring and motivational words with the AOV community before we get out of here. And whenever you're ready, Go ahead, ready? Did I just say ready? Whenever yeah, you're ready, ready. <laughs> whenever you're ready, go ahead and, and uh, lay it on us, brother. Cool. I, I want to actually drop a quote from Socrates first, and it's, that's why I got you out here. Uh, it says he says, "Wonder is the beginning of wisdom." I, I think I don't really have any deep insights. I don't think community is a really powerful thing, but it's not going to happen from your phone. You know what I mean? And that's one thing that I've learned and you just kind of got to get outside of yourself. And once you get outside of yourself and you do like we were talking about, uh, get in that discomfort, um, an overwhelming sense of comfort follows. And usually it's because of an embrace of a friend or someone that's there for you in those difficult, challenging times because you've invested in that relationship. And so I think like Kurt Vonnegut said that what is needed today is communities. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think there's any like I think that's our deepest need today is just really meaningful communities where we know that like this is a safe place you know and they our friends aren't going to always tell us what we want to hear but they're going to always be here for us you know what I mean so that's I think that's all I got and plus take as many photos as you can to practice 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 <laughs> my boy yeah. Christian Hollums, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for coming on the show, brother. Dude, thank you for having me. It's a tremendous honor. Like, seriously, I can't believe it. I appreciate it. You're a good dude. I'm really glad to be on here. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to another episode of the AOV Podcast. Our goal here at Art of Visuals is to keep everything free and to keep creating great tools and resources for you guys to utilize to to achieve all your guys' dreams in the photography, filmmaking, and content creation world, even entrepreneurship. With that said, we picked up Adorama as a sponsor to help us cover some of our costs, and we're grateful for them. All we ask of you guys is if you're going to purchase gear, we'd really love it if you guys would head over to Adorama.com and make your purchase there instead of elsewhere. And just know that when you guys do that, you guys will also somewhat be supporting Art of Visuals and allowing us to continue to create great content for you guys, uh, like our podcast, our free app, and a lot of the other great things we do. Also, if you listen to the podcast, all of the AOV presets are now free. So check out our website shop.artofvisuals.com go get some free presets the artist presets are still for sale if you want to support the artist and you should support the artist uh, just know that that money goes to them and we're also going to be reworking that commission structure here in the next month so we're really stoked about that but go get some free presets 
And if you guys want to buy gear, please support us, help us out. Go to Adorama.com. Peace.